the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. What a week it has been. I guess that describes a typical news week on the other hand as well. We have a very special guest with us on tonight. Larry, who do we have on the line? Deborah Simmons is a military brat and graduate of Texas A&M University. Deborah spent 10 years in the computer industry before starting a family with her husband. Deborah lives in the Austin, Texas area and now advocates through her Protecting the Gift organization for parents to get involved in their local school districts. Deborah is also a key leader in the organization Protect Child Health Coalition, or PCH for short, where she works tirelessly in the national effort to keep pornography out of public K-12 school libraries and prevent the inappropriate early sexualization of our children through the comprehensive sexuality education programs found in our public schools. Welcome to the program, Debbie. Thank you for having me. Great. Uh, Debbie, I'm just curious, and it's okay if I call you Debbie? Uh, Yes. Okay. Debbie, what led you to become involved in the fight against the early sexualization of children? Well, um, my children were in public school in Central Texas, and in around 2012, 2013, I learned about um, some of the ideas that they wanted, some the school district wanted to put in the classroom in um, eighth grade and seventh grade and sixth grade classrooms. And I became particularly concerned. And the more research that I did, the more that I found that Planned Parenthood was behind a lot of it. And I had never really thought about what it meant to be pro-life and what needed to happen to uh, fight for the rights of the unborn. And, um, And as I learned about it, I just saw a very insidious business model of um, going into schools, teaching children, and um, luring them into risky behaviors and selling abortion. And so I was immediately activated into all of the different um, fronts to try to fight this. Well, uh, Debbie, this is a big question, but is there a war on children going on right now? And I think you've already alluded to this, but if so, who's doing it and why are they doing it? I think you may have partially answered that, but I'd like to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely a business model from what um, from my observation. Um, the ideologically, um, people might disagree with us because we're Christian or because we're conservative, um, and but 
But at the core of it, there's a lot of money to be made when children engage in risky behavior. There's a lot of money to be made when um, children are exploring, um, you know, ideas that are different than what their parents might be teaching them. And um, and so there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of that behind it, as well as just the advocacy that comes from. Um, continuing this ideology from generation to generation and separating children from parents and separating children from God. Why do you think so many of the United Nations affiliated organizations, uh, such as the WHO, that's the World Health Organization, or UNESCO and others are so intent on radicalizing and sexualizing children? Is it is the intent behind these programs to basically deconstruct the family? And if so, why? Yeah, I, I mean, I think at the core, uh, the family is the, um, you know, it's the first society. It's the central um, place in which a child grows up to understand the world around them and how to relate with it. Um, and as children grow through that and then learn how to relate with the world, with their country, at some level, we have to recognize that this is meant to take down the Western civilization. This is meant to take down um, our society as we as understand it. Um, it's very um it's very much built on um, anti-God, anti-family um, philosophies, and um, and just the general belief that's out there. And unfortunately, um, many of us didn't know that this was happening in those large organizations. We didn't recognize it for, for what it is and have not participated. And now we are playing catch up, trying to understand what's happening and engage in those areas at the UN and in the WHO um, UNESCO, all of the international organizations to try to reverse kind of what has already been happening. Um, but our our country is at stake for sure. Yes. And this is happening not only in the United States, but actually worldwide in countries all around the world, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and a lot of the initiatives to accomplish this is coming from organizations in the United States to push it on other countries across the, the world. So um, so we, we not only have this poison spreading uh, through our country, but we're exporting it. And, um, and, it, and at some level, it's, it's kind of appearing as an ideological colonization um, against some of the other countries. Well, did um, Alfred Kinsey, that famous, or as some people say, infamous, Sex researcher have anything to do with this? Absolutely, absolutely. So the the experiments that Kinsey and his um, fellow researchers did on children, um, the the documentation that they gathered um, from uh, men and women to write the books and to further the ideologies and the lies that are just now still very confusing to the population here in the United States of what's true and what's not true, because there were some assumptions that were made. Well, I heard, or I believe, well, all of the, a lot of those things were lies that came from Kenzie, from his books. And then also there was the whole infiltration into the American Law Institute model penal code in the sixties and seventies that rolled out to all of the states. And while the model penal code was being accepted into all of the different states, to um, kind of standardize our penal code across the, the country and to clean up some of the different problems. What it was also doing was furthering the Kinsey research 
and Kinsey um, ideology into American law, into the, the state level law. And so we start to see some of the softening of the um, penalties and the criminal laws for um, what they considered Bible-based laws. And most of them were sexual uh, and sex marriage um, and lifestyle related. Well, that's so interesting. So a lot of that uh, under the guise of uh, unifying the the penal codes in all the various states uh, kind of slipped under the radar what they were also doing regarding to um, uh, laws pertaining to sex and and, and children. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Uh, Debbie, I understand you, you're also a member of the Protect Child Health Coalition, or PCHC for short. What does that organization do? So um, so there's a website called um, protectchildhealth.org, and um, there's a, a coalition of members. The target issues that um, the coalition has been focusing on is comprehensive sexuality education, pornography, parental rights, obscenity laws, and age of consent laws. And, um, and these Five issues are, um, are are different things that um, that members have been working on all across the country. Um, some states more effectively than others, but um, but just looking at what the laws are and how can um, state law protect children um, from some of this indoctrination and from the sexualization that um, that is being pushed at the state level. Yeah, it's so interesting, Debbie. That. Um... As we've been talking about, there's definitely a cultural and moral war going on against children and families. But uh, and you've touched on this. You just touched on this in your last answer. So besides comprehensive sexuality education, pornography in the classrooms and in school libraries, and the fight uh, the fight to enforce obscenity laws, aren't we also seeing the left? attacking parental rights and age of consent laws. We we do. Um it's it's a super interesting time in which um we see the states dealing with and wrestling with the question of uh parental rights. And and the and the fact is is that um you know parents rights cannot be listed um, there are too many, right? <laughs> they're yeah. they're in, inalienable. Um, they cannot be enumerated. Um, and and a parent's responsibility to the care and nurturing of their children is um, at the forefront of the entire relationship. And the government um, does not grant those rights. Um, the education system is there to support parents and should be there to support parents, not the other way around. And so what we've seen in states and state laws is some of that language is a little bit confused, needs to be reversed or um, reconciled to uh, to protect parental rights, not to try to um, encroach on them. And that's so interesting, too. And then the age of consent laws, uh, there was a paper published on the National Library of Medicine website that states lowering the legal age of sexual consent would decriminalize a large number of underage young people engaging in sexual intercourse. The arguments against such a change in the law are summarized and show a lack of validity. So this this uh, article that was published in this very prestigious website is basically arguing to lower the age of consent law. So again, to me, that's like they're working against the families. They're working uh, to compromise our children. So it's coming at us from all sides, it looks like. Yeah, the age of consent laws uh, are particularly interesting when you look at what Kinsey um, was 
was trying to push through. Um, so Kinsey taught and believed that children were sexual from birth and that if children are sexual from birth, then they have, um, then they have the right to engage in sexual activity uh, at the very beginning and that it's healthy. And, um, and so age of consent laws in that philosophy, in that belief structure would be irrelevant. The, so the opposition that we're, that we're dealing with does not believe that age of consent is necessary or appropriate um, and that children do not need to be protected because it's not harmful. And so, um, so age of consent laws is a battleground that we would, that we consistently see and that um, is a particular concern. And when we look at it from a, a school perspective, when teachers are engaging in teaching comprehensive sex education in the classroom, they're engaging in conversations about sex. And at that point, they're crossing boundaries and, um, and opening up discussions with children which then opens up to the possibility of inappropriate relationships. Yeah. And the left would need age of consent laws to not be a burden to these types of engagements with children, particularly in the classroom. And, um, and so age of consent is definitely a battleground that we look at. Interesting. Debbie, we're up against a hard break now in our show. Could you give us a really quickly your the website, the one that you have, and then maybe even that uh, other one with the PCHC? Yeah. So um so uh protectchildhealth.org is um is a good uh resource for information. But um I also personally like to use the stopcse.org website, which um has basically know your laws in your state. It has a lot of um, very uh, tactical information about what you can do to get involved, to understand what the laws are, what the issues are at the state level, and how to fight it. Mm -hmm. um, I particularly, um, my website, just my information can be found at protectingthegift.org. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much, Deborah Simmons. That was a wonderful interview. And uh, God bless your work. You're doing the right thing. And hopefully we can have you back in the future. That was uh, some really useful, incredible information. So thank you again very much. Thank you so much. God bless. God bless. We're going to take a short commercial break, but please don't touch that dial. We have another amazing segment when you return. This is Today with Dr. Wendy. We will be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Since 1991, the nonprofit National Law Center for Children and Families has been fighting to protect children from sexual exploitation. The National Law Center offers the latest investigative training techniques to police, probation officers, and prosecutors on fighting sexual predators and human traffickers. The NLC also offers human trafficking awareness training to members of the public. Schedule a training for your church or organization today by visiting nationallawcenter.org. That's nationallawcenter.org. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry and I have, of course, been scouring all of the interesting news of the day. Always trying to find something interesting and, dare I say, often practical to share with our listeners. Larry, we always have so much to talk about, and it's really hard to make a selection, but what did we come up with that might be appropriate for the second half today? Well, I think uh, it was interesting the Hunter Biden surprise visit to Congress uh, this week would be a good story to talk about, perhaps. <laughs> 
We should. You know, this has been described as uh, jumping out of a cake. And what they mean by that is it was totally unexpected. It apparently was at a hearing where they were discussing whether or not, or I should say how, to go about the process of holding him in contempt for failing to comply with the subpoena. And lo and behold, in the gallery, there he is. Now, before we get into sort of the legality of what that might mean for the investigation and the decision, um, were you surprised that after everything we've heard this week about him not coming to the deposition and his public appearance in December saying he'll testify in public but not in private. What did you think about the fact that suddenly there he was in the chamber? Yeah, I think it could be a publicity stunt, perhaps, uh, just showing up whenever he feels like it. I think it's totally inappropriate what he did. Uh, as you recall, back in December, I think it was December 13th, he was scheduled to do a a, a private you know deposition, which is very standard for law practice if you're in, involved in litigation or or something like this you you basically do it in a private room you don't do it as a in a public uh, setting and yet he seemed to be wanting to call the shots or his attorneys uh, so i was just really surprised at him showing up uh, in the gallery perhaps uh, i mean that's my understanding and then uh he, he walked out but listen to this um when they they were uh, discussing you know, to hold uh, about holding him him in contempt, and Representative Nancy Mace, she's a uh, from South Carolina. She said, talking to Hunter now while he's still in the gallery, "You are the epitome of white privilege." And then she says something I can't repeat on the air, and she yeah. says, "I think Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go to jail." That's pretty gutsy, I think. And then yeah. as uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, stood up to talk, uh, he said that. She said to him, she directed her comments to him. He says, he sits here with a smug look on his face and runs away when I, it's my turn to talk. She said, he can't even face my words as I'm about to speak to him. And she said, what a coward. <laughs> those, are, those are pretty strong words, I would say, from these representatives. I got to tell you, you know, um, it makes us glad we're not in politics to, to hear language from anybody. You know, we always want to get along and be edifying and kind. But I do have to say that this has really riled up people on both sides of the aisle. And, you know, a couple of interesting side notes on this story. Um, allegedly, at least, Hunter's team didn't loop in the White House aides about his plan. So there was purportedly no... Um, negotiation or coordination between he and his dad. Now, obviously, you know, reasonable minds may differ. I mean, that'd be like you and your wife not really knowing what was going on or your kids. But nonetheless, you know, lots of times in politics, people do things to make sure others are not aware um, for appearances sake. But one of the most interesting things about this story is when you look at the different people that have failed to show up for subpoenas, um, have defied congressional subpoenas, they normally say. A lot of the times that those are referred to the Department of Justice, one of the things they look at is evidence of good faith. Um, many of the even Republicans who have declined uh, the invitation, quote unquote, by a subpoena, um, but have the lawyers try to coordinate on both sides with, well, look, how can we do this? How can we give you what you need? other than a private hearing, a public hearing, whatever it is. So I wonder if the DOJ gets a criminal referral on Hunter's testimony, what they're going to say. Now, just recently, by the way, you probably heard his lawyers have said, we will produce him for uh, for testimony. Um, but there's still strings attached. I mean, it's almost like there isn't a perfect forum to have someone like Hunter, who, by the way, is facing his own criminal investigation, come and answer their questions. It's so tricky. Oh, absolutely it is. And apparently, uh, Representative Comer, who's kind of heading up the oversight committee, said 
that they already have secured the votes for a full House vote on whether or not to file this criminal uh, contempt uh, charge against Hunter Biden. And then it says, uh, Comer said, the lawmakers also uh, has decided that attorney Matthew Graves, there's a question, will he prosecute the 53-year-old Hunter Biden? Now, he's uh, this Matthew Graves already prosecuted on when Trump was in office, uh, Steve Bannon right, and, and Peter Navarro as well. But yet he declined to prosecute uh, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and Deputy Chief of Staff Dan Scavino. So it'll be interesting to see. So if they have the vote to, uh, again, go ahead with this, then it, it'll go to the Department of Justice. And then the question is, are they going to actually prosecute this? Yeah, well, it looks like Hunter's lawyers are um, are basically saying, look, we're going to comply in some way, shape or form. Um, and you mentioned Mark Meadows. He's a, he's an example of what I was mentioning before, where what the, one of the things they look at is evidence of good faith. And you'll remember the Mark Meadows case involved lawyers on both sides trying to come to an agreement as to, you know, how can we offer what you're looking for? That there were executive privilege issues around that case, as you may remember. Um, Hunter's case, even before his lawyers sort of beginning to show signs of confession, even before that happened, um, the fact that he showed up and made that speech in December, you know, he showed up in the wrong place, yes. not in the deposition, but, uh, you know, publicly and with the capital in the background. And then his appearance this week, you know, the argument could be made, well, he's kind of, you know, even even then he was sort of showing his willingness to answer their questions. He was just disputing the forum. I have to say one thing on the forum, Larry, and I would love you, you and I both watch some of these hearings, love to hear what you think about this. But in the public hearings, it's often a lot of grandstanding. I mean, that's probably why it's good TV. People like to watch. But that wasn't what they wanted to subpoena Hunter for. They wanted him in a private question and answer session. Last I heard, reportedly, they were going to record it. So there couldn't be any allegations that something was taken out of context. Um, obviously, they can show portions of the recording and he and his team could show the other. But if that is not going to be sufficient, a question and answer session, and if we don't want it just to be a grandstand, grandstanding session, no, I mean, which would go nowhere, are we going to run into issues of him legitimately having grounds to take the fifth? I mean, he doesn't want to see a headline saying first son takes the fifth. Nor does he want to do that, because at least according to what he has said publicly, his goal is to answer their questions. But in a public forum, I mean, how is this finally going to be resolved? Yeah, it's going to it's really interesting to watch for I think on on all counts, you know, that the next day, what we're, we're Saturday evening now, but on this uh, Thursday, uh, he had to go to a Los Angeles federal court building and where right. he appeared in a federal court there to plead not guilty to nine tax charges for failing to pay at least $1.4 million in federal taxes he owed from 2016 to 2019. Then the president's son, Hunter Biden, has also been charged in Delaware with lying on a federal firearm purchase form during the time when he was using illegal drugs. So he's got a lot of issues ahead. I wonder if the, the ace in his pocket is that, oh, yeah, my dad's the president. And in the worst case, he'll pardon me no matter what happens. But I think I think the end goal for all this uh, with Hunter Biden is basically to to uh, show Bi- uh, President Biden's uh, involvement in their uh their pay-to-play type of thing where they're getting money from all over the world selling the brand, the Biden brand of uh, influence. 
You know what's interesting in, in what you said, and Larry, you're so smart. You always come up with really interesting um, angles. That is the angle in so many of the high-profile political stories that we see nowadays, that sometimes it's not even the particular family member targeted or discussed. It's the associations that might also implicate another person, like in this case, the big guy. Yes. <laughs> what did Hunter do or not do or know or take advantage of that might have benefited Joe Biden? Um, and sometimes we say he's not your average Joe, <laughs> speaking of Hunter. On the other hand, you know, it's not something that's unique to the Biden family because we saw the same thing with the Clintons. Remember um, the Trump family? I mean, remember, we just had that big trial where Trump's children had to testify and they showed up and did it um, in addition to, to complying with congressional requests and subpoenas. So there's so many analogies and comparisons to make in this case. I can tell you one thing I think um, Hunter would probably rather get behind him is trying to figure out how to get through these open criminal cases. Remember, he was almost there before that plea deal so famously unraveled yes, last year. I do. Um, his pending cases, he would like to probably get those behind him. But, you know, one thing that I just found unusual is that when offering to answer all of the questions that Congress had, why he wouldn't be concerned about saying something that could then be used against him in criminal court. He never meant he never one time mentioned that he was thinking of taking the fifth. Exactly. And also, it's interesting, Wendy, his best friend and business partner, I'm talking about Hunter Biden now, was Devin Archer. And he testified last July in 2023 that. Uh, Joe Biden, who was then the vice president, was on the phone, on speakerphone, at least 20 times. And why would you put your your father, who was the vice president at that time, on, on speakerphone when you're making business deals? There had to be a purpose to that. I don't think it was coincidental that Joe uh, happened to call his son Hunter just when those business dealings were going on. There's so many uh, interesting little uh, things that we can explore on this. I know there really are. And, you know, now next weekend, I guarantee we'll have another story that has just as many moving parts and we'll have just as spirited discussion. Really good stuff. But thank you, uh, Larry, for weighing in. And, you know, we always find great topics. And we want to thank our listeners. Um, thank you for engaging with us. We always love to hear what you think about the show. And uh, let us know anytime if you see something that you'd like us to discuss on the air. You are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. Larry Dershon and Wendy Patrick wishing you a wonderful week and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.